ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Yes, here we go. What I guess we've got today, it's uh, Adam Matthews. How are you doing, mate? All right? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Before we get started on the career, I need to say it yet. I was with the madman Slaney this morning. He says to say he was yeah. asking for you. Yeah, where is he? I thought he'd be here. <laughs> no, mate, I, know, I can only handle him for one hour a day, and that's me. That's me done my lot, man. Yeah, that's he is. He's some man, isn't he? Off his head. Mental. What do you remember about him? I've just never seen someone so nervous but so excited to be with the first team. Like, so scared, but, like, weirdly confident, like, loud. But I think he was loud because he was nervous. But some of the stuff he used to come out with was hilarious. What would he say? Like, how good he was in that? Ah, he used to talk about how good he was all the time. He was like, oh, it's just the pressure. If you give the ball, he's like, oh, it's because of the pressure. Like, in the youth team, I'm, I'm some player. Like, but <laughs> he, I thought he was, he was a good player. He trained well. He was just so nervous before games and all that like he'd be on the bench like from minute one like when am I coming on nervous as hell but so funny so funny he's some man he says tell Adam that he's the best singer that he's ever heard yeah he did he liked my singing to be fair to him so what, would you would you sit and sing him on the bench no I should have to calm his nerves down but no no he says that you him and Danny McGrain used to sing you'll never walk alone in the showers well, that, that is a lie. I've never been in the show with Daniel Green, thank God. <laughs> uh, amazing, mate. Right, we'll go on to the career. Uh, as we can tell by your colleague Flower Ears, you were a rugby player as well to start with. Yeah, I think growing up in Wales, I think everyone played rugby. It was the number one sport. I think football's catching up with it a bit now since they got to the Euros and all that. But yeah, I played rugby until I was 16. Uh, I used to play football on a Saturday, rugby on a Sunday. So yeah, I really enjoyed it, to be, to be fair. Could you, uh, Jen, you could have made it as a rugby player. Like, how good were you? I was decent, like. I, I just think uh, it's the gym I wouldn't have wouldn't have liked. Like, I, I'm not a mass fan of the gym now, but the size of them rugby players now, I think I would have had to bulk up a lot. So I think I was a bit small, but yeah, I was half decent to be fair. Mate, was it no sore though when they tackle you in that? Eh? You are. Is it no sore when you get smashed? No, not really. To be fair, uh, you got pad. They got pads on me, but. Obviously, that I'm guessing I only played till 16, so no one was massively big then. I'm yeah. guessing, I'm guessing professional rugby. If you get hit by one of them big guys, then you wouldn't know about it next day. So I'm glad I picked football in the end, to be honest. You're far too good looking to be a rugby player, young man. We wouldn't want that face getting damaged. Look at it. I know, I know. I wouldn't get tackled. I just pass it or kick it before I got tackled. <laughs> uh, so picked up by Cardiff at what, eight years old? Eight years old, yeah. 
I was like, mate, I need to ask, like, eight years old, so young, what, what were you doing at eight years old that got, got you picked up? Um, what I can remember, I can't remember it very well, but it was just like a, must have been Cardiff, must have set up like a trial, a trial day when anyone could just turn up because we played a game on an 11 size pitch, but it must have been about 35 players on each team. So it was, it was mad. And it must have been Cardiff scouts, I'm guessing Swansea scouts must have been there. And they just picked me up from there. I don't know how, because we played about 30 minutes and I think I touched the ball twice because it was that many players on the pitch. So that's, that's all I can really remember about it. And then obviously my dad got the phone call, took me up from my first training session. I didn't want to go. He dragged me then and luckily for me he did because this worked Why did you well. want to go? I just, being from Swansea, going to Cardiff, not knowing anyone, you know, as a kid, like you're shy. Um, if I had a mate with me, I would have been fine, just would have stuck with him. But um, I think every kid when they're young doesn't like, doesn't like change and um, driving up the motorway, uh, I, was, I was feeling a bit sick going up, I remember that. Um, but luckily for my dad took me up and then it went from there. Really. Why were you feeling sick? Was your dad farting in the motor? He did used to do that, yeah, but um, I'm used to that with my dad now, yeah, so there's nothing to do with that, it just is. Just, for the, just like for the dedication side, how long would that take then to drive from Cardiff to Swansea, and what was it, two or three nights a week? Uh, three nights a week, yeah, so it, it, where we used to train, it was probably about an hour away, it's right next to the Cardiff Stadium now. As I got older, they moved a bit closer, so it was like a 40-minute drive, so that wasn't too bad. But yeah, so an hour, three, three nights a week, so yeah, to be fair, my, my parents worked out how they could do it. My mum used to drop me at my dad's work and then I used to jump in with him when he finished work. So it worked out quite well. Amazing. Uh, right, were you always a right back? Mate, there's no way you ought to be a right back as a kid. Who, who put you there? Um, I got, well, I was a centre mid when I got signed. So I was centre mid from probably eight till about 12. Then I went centre half. I actually enjoyed oh, centre half. No, I enjoyed centre half. Did you? Um, yeah. Um, so I played there until about under 14s and then I wasn't tall enough really so then right back right wing sort of position and then eventually 16 onwards right back and then got into the Cardiff team at right back and then that's where I've been for, for the most part See when you were a young kid coming through was there any players that would know was Aaron Ramsey one of them? Aaron Ramsey was a year older than me but yeah he was he, he's probably the best player I've seen coming through at a young age. He was he used to play three years up when he was 12, 13. So I didn't really... I played a couple of games with him, but he was always miles ahead of everyone in his age group. So yeah, he was incredible. What was he good at? Just everything? Um, yeah, everything. Like Obviously, technically, he's very good. He's quicker than a lot of people think, um, even at a young age. Uh, he, he was never the biggest. He was quite skinny, but... He was. I remember we played on a Saturday and he was playing for the under-18s against Arsenal, I think it was. So after we finished, we went over to watch it. He must have been about 15 at the time. And he, he was the best player on the pitch by a mile. Like, wow. incredible. Yeah. Every youth every youth academy had that one player, didn't they? That everyone was like in awe of, even at a young age. Yeah, yeah. You could tell, well, from the first time I saw him train, I could tell like he was going to be some player. Maybe not go to where he's gone now because you never think that. But um, yeah. I think he was only in the, the Cardiff team till 17, then Arsenal took him. So, yeah, he's probably the best I've seen coming coming through at a young age. Slaney was telling us that you're good pals with Bale as well. Can you remember Bale as a kid? Did you play against him? No, he, he came from Southampton, so I didn't really meet him until... Like, I didn't play with him in the youth for, uh, for Wales because he's three years older than me, I think. So, yeah. But it was weird. My first, my first squad with Wales, obviously, I knew Joe Ledley, so I was good mates with him. And then 
Bale was still skinny, quiet, so somehow I ended up being party with him playing table tennis, I think it was. And then we yeah, we've we've got good friends from from there on really. Amazing. Uh right, first team. What age were you when you first get the call to go and train with the first team? Uh, I think I was about fifteen, I think. No way. Um, 15? Yeah, well, normally we train in the same place. So if Cardiff had an injury in training, they'd get one of the under-16s to go to go and fill in. So I went there and that's when Hasselbank, Fowler were all there. And I remember my uh, first training session, um, I rolled it through Hasselbank's legs and then both elbows straight in the nose. So, yes. so I, I, don't, I don't think I'd be doing that again. I, was, I think, yeah, I think I must have been about 15, 16 and... Um, yeah, I, I never megged him again because he did not take it well. Elbow straight in the face. Did you call it? Did you say megs? No, no. I, luckily, because I don't. I think it would be more than an elbow. <laughs> what was that? What was Fowler like with you? Um, I, I trained. I only trained a couple of times with him. Um, like you could, you could. He was at the end of his career, but um, his finishing, left and right foot, best I've seen. Like so good. Like couldn't, couldn't. Like the legs were gone. But technically, finishing right foot, left foot, you couldn't, the keeper couldn't knock in here. I think he scored every shot I ever saw him took in training. He scored every shot you seen him take? In training. I think he did, yeah. He wow. was so good. What so about as a guy? Like I said, I didn't really have much. He's quite quiet when in training. Like, um, I, 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 I can't remember if I was in any squads with him. I don't think I was. I think I was just training in and out. But yeah, he, he seemed fine to me. Uh, nice guy, but just quiet, really. Yeah, what about, team, what about other first team boys? Who was, who was good with you? Who took, who took a wee liking to you? Uh, when I first got into training properly, obviously Joe, uh, Peter Whittenham, God bless us all. Um, yeah. yeah, great guy. Uh, he, he's probably one of the best players I've played with, technically. Mm. Um, he was going to make it Tony Capaldi. So them three, obviously, because I sort of knew Joe anyway. Um, they sort of took me under their wing and, yeah, so coming into the first team was, was an easy transition, really. Um, was, uh, was it like when I was younger, with the first team boys, could they be quite tough on you? Did you still need to do jobs while you were training with the first team? Yeah, we used to do everything, clean the boots, still had to do that. Even after I made my debut, I was still cleaning boots. Um, I had to get all the gear in, all the gear out before training. So, yeah, um, I think teams should be doing that still, really. But I think it's going out of the game a bit. Um, I think a lot of young players get it a bit easy these days because we used to literally clean the change room after games clean everyone's boots if the boots weren't right you'd be told and then have to sing at Christmas to get your boot money so I think I think that should come back in but I can't see it happening Oh that's toffee for you to want to sing at Christmas see when you first sang in front of the first team with the buzzing off you Buzzing like um, I think everyone was getting like 50 quid bonus for cleaning the boots I, I think I had Roger Johnson's boots and he gave me like 250 pound and I was buzzing completely yeah. so what, just based on how good your singing performance was? I'm guessing so, yeah, because everyone else was... I, I got double everyone else, so must have been something to do with that, yeah. What did you sing? I've seen you... I mean, I've heard you singing that Chris Brown number. You have got it to a T. Yeah, that's no... I didn't sing that, though. I think I sung... What did I sing? It was an absolute rascal of a song. I think it was... Oh, think give it was, us it, give us it. Come on, I'll give you 250 quid to sing it now. Nah, I'm not singing, no. Not a chance. <laughs> not warmed up. I think I sung... Uh, What's the song Journey sing? You know Journey? The Don't Stop Believing. Ah, that's what I sang, yeah. Good choice, so it, went, it went down the tree. Yeah. Hard song to sing, huh? Yeah, it's quite high, isn't it? Yeah. So there, £250 for that, so I was buzzing with that. There you go, young boys. If you want to get a good uh, Christmas bonus, get the old singing vocals going, innit? Can you play the guitar as well? 
No, but I have got a guitar. I've been trying. I've been meaning to learn for like two years, but it's so hard. So I will learn eventually. Slaney's playing the guitar now. It could be a wee duo in there for you and you and Slaney. Oh, Jesus, Jesus! Imagine that. <laughs> uh, right. When does the debut come then? Seventeen. I've got here. Two thousand and nine. I think Cardiff had a lot of injury problems at the time. Is that right? Yeah. So they. I think Kevin McNaughton was the number one right back. Uh, I know. Yeah. I grew up with Kev. What a guy. Eh? Great guy, great guy. But I think um, he broke his ankle in a pre-season game, I think, if I remember rightly. So I was obviously drafted in to go on the bench against Blackpool. Paul Quinn came off with about 20 minutes ago, I think. And I came on for 20 minutes. I think we were 1-0 one, one up or 1-0, something like that. And I was just I was just praying, please don't make a mistake. Just keep it simple. Get to the final whistle, job done. And I just remember it belting down the rain, so cold, but obviously a great experience for me. And um I think I, I think I played the next 13, 10, 13 games after that, so must have done all right, to be fair. Can you remember that feeling of getting stripped to go on for your debut? Um, I remember taking my top off and thinking, this is very cold. Um, <laughs> but no, I just I think at a young age, you don't really get nervous. Um, obviously, you're just buzzing to be in and around it. I, I didn't really expect to come on. Um, but yeah, I think it was just exciting. I think it was that quick because it was an injury. You're not being told to warm up. You're coming yeah. on in 10 minutes. I think because it was quick, I think that probably helped. Um, didn't really have much time to think about it, so it was just like get stripped and go on. So I, I can't remember being that nervous, to be honest, just buzzing to be involved, really. And Dave Jones was the manager. He gave you his debut. How was he with you? Good? Yeah, grand. Um, he, was, he was one of the managers who didn't really kept his distance from the players. Um, obviously, he spoke to the, the older ones. We had Mark Kennedy, I think, Michael Chopra, Jay Boothroyd. But um, yeah, he brought a couple of young players. When, when I was coming through, it was me and Aaron Wildig. I probably you probably don't know him. Yeah, I played against Aaron Wildig. He, he was at Walsall. Yeah, good, good player, really good player. I think he had, I think he had a bad ankle injury, but he was a very, it was me and him coming through um, when it was my age. So um, he so he helped me because he came through at the same time, so we were training at the same time. So um, yeah, Dave Jones was was brilliant. To be fair, um, like I said, just quiet. Um, Terry Burton did most of the training. Uh, great coach, to be fair. So um, yeah, it was a great experience, and uh, he helped me help me settle in. I need to ask you me about Paul Quinn. Paul Quinn's a madman. Was he a madman back then? Madman. I remember um, we went on pre. I think one of my first pre-seasons we went to Spain, and um, we went on pre-season, and uh, I ended. I ended up. I'm not sure. I should tell you this. I ended up. Oh, he loves people telling stories a bit more here. He told us. That's a good story. Uh, I ended up getting jumped by these three Spanish guys. I think it was me, one of the keepers. We just walked to a cash point and then they jumped us. So I've lost my phone, split my head open. Uh, I've gone back to the boys and uh, they were like, what the hell's happened to you? And Paul Quinn's like, where the hell are they? I'll, I'll basically wanted to go and find them and bat the ass of them. So he was a madman. But yeah, great, great guy driving the change room. Um, like you, if he was playing, you'd always know he'd have your back. A bit of a, bit of a madman, but everyone, everyone needs a madman in the team. Did he go? And, did he go and look for the boys? Yeah, I don't. He found them luckily because he was he was raging. But yeah, he, he was he was proper pumped. Like where where the hell are they? I'll go and get them. Uh-huh, he can go. Mad, 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 uh, madman. Another Scottish boy. I need to ask you about as well. Good friend of the show, Ross McCormick. How is he Ross as a, as a player and as a guy? Unbelievable player. Good player, mate. Uh, technically, uh, technically, right foot, unbelievable. I think he's a bit unlucky. I think he should have played more up front for Cardiff because we had Jay Boothright and Chopper up front. He kept getting pushed to the left. 
But um, yeah, incredible player. I think he had one season where he scored 22 goals for Cardiff or something like that. Um, so yeah, technically wise, one of the best right foots I've seen. Like he used to score free kicks in training. I've never seen people score free kicks like that. Yeah. Like score from corners and all that. So, but another madman. He's some boy, isn't he? Uh, again, uh, big names in that team, like C. Chopra, character obviously, but I loved Jay Boothroyd. What a left foot Jay Boothroyd had. Yeah, uh, great player. He, he tell you how good he was. <laughs> but yeah, he was he was he was unreal. Um, uh, we, uh, with the the playoff the playoff final season where we got to the playoff final, I think him and him and Chops were probably the best strike partnership in that league. And with that team, we we probably should have got promoted. Um, we lost against Blackpool in the final. I think Charlie Adams scored scored a free kick. Um, but yeah, um, them two as a partnership. We're up there with the ones I've played with, to be fair. They uh, complement each other really well. Like you said, both characters um, used to argue a lot on and off the pitch. Who was the better player? Who was the better finisher? <laughs> um, but I think I, I think the competition made them better. So, yeah, they, they were very good. It was, uh, how was, uh, as a young kid, how was uh, Knights out with the first team back then? Because obviously Chopra had a bit of boot on both, or he had a bit of boot on Would they take the younger kids out with them? Uh, they used to have back back when I was coming through. They used to have a lot of team nights out, um, so we used to go for a meal. The coaches used to come to the meal, and then we obviously slip away from the coaches, go to go to a bar and all that. But um, I n- I never used to drink growing up, so I, I was I was going to be one of them. Professional, I don't want to don't want to touch a drink. Uh, my first night out by about ten o'clock, I'm sliding down the bar, absolutely off my face. So I'm blaming Joe Ledley and Peter Whitnam for that one. I was um, my next question was I've had one night out with Joe Ledley pre-season in America. He just signed for Celtic, and he went off on one mate. He was proper on it. Was he the same back then as a kid? Not as bad. He, he seemed to have got worse as he got older. Um, nah, but I'm I'm best mates with Joe. Like I've known him since I was fifteen. So yeah, he's a great guy, <laughs> fun funny guy. But with a drink in him, yeah, he's a he is a madman as well. Does he do that mad dance that he always does? That's only come out since the Euros. Since now, so now every time he's drunk, that comes out. Yeah. How did how did that come about in the Euros? That dance. I have no idea. <laughs> he did used to dance a bit like it. That that was his dance because he couldn't dance, so he just used to try and make an ass out of himself, just try and make everyone laugh. So I don't I don't know whether the Wales boys were like, oh, if we if we get qualified, you have to do that. But yeah, everyone seemed to love it. So uh, back to your first season, at thirty five appearances at seventeen year old. Yeah. What was it? Did Dave Jones, like, were you playing well? Did Dave Jones like you? What, what was it that made you play 35 games? Well, like I said, I think Kev being injured for three quarters of the season obviously worked in my favour. Um, I think I got man of the match in my second home, my second game against Bristol City. I done, I done really well in my full debut. Um, and yeah, I, I was quite steady throughout the season. Um, the, the fans seemed to like me, so... I just try to keep my head down, enjoy every moment. You don't know, you're not, you're not expecting to be there 17, so I was just loving every minute. So, yeah, I had a good first season, to be honest. Although you were doing well, can you remember the first time Dave Jones roasted you? I remember Terry Burton, we played Swansea at half-time. Um, we were one down half-time and my Nathan Dyer scored from a corner and he's not the tallest and yeah. he beat me in the air. And I remember Terry Burton just coming right in my face and goes, you need to man up. This is a man's game. But then, I went out second half done well and to be fair to him after after the after the game I think we lost 2-1 or drew 2 or something like that and he, he came over and said that was, that was much better so 
So sometimes you just need to kick up a kick up a bum. Last week about on Cardiff, what are the derbies like? Because as we were saying off off camera, the, the rivalry is intense, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're big big games. I don't think people in Scotland and England realise how how big they are. Um, apart from Celtic and Rangers, obviously, um, that's probably the I'd say one of the biggest in the, in the country. They it's proper hatred. Like um, there's always a red card or two, but they're great games to play, and I think. Derbies as a footballer, I think everyone wants to play, and the atmosphere, going to the game, fans on the side of the road shouting at you. I think it's just un- unreal atmosphere. So yeah, the great games to play. And you played in one of them at seventeen. Yeah, um, I played. I think What's we. Been nervous for that. A little bit, especially being from Swansea. So all my mates texting me before the game saying, uh, first time ever. I hope you are absolutely hopeless today." So. Um, but like I said, you're probably nervous in the build-up. But as soon as the whistle goes um, and the atmosphere, I think adrenaline takes over, and then you, you just you actually enjoy it, if, especially if you win the game. But like I said, I think we won one and lost one that season, so that's that's not a bad return really, as long as you don't lose two of them. Would you ever go out in Swansea and get a bit face Swansea fans? Could you play the counter? Very rarely. I, I remember once um, I went to the toilet, and then three or four people followed me just into the pub and then all my mates saw them come in so that, that's the only time really I thought I, I'm in a bit of trouble here when yeah. they all barged in but other than that like actually in the nightclubs obviously no one really can see who you are anyway um, and Swansea fans don't really take notes of Cardiff players so they probably didn't even know who I was to be honest it wasn't the three Spanish boys that came into the toilet again was it? <laughs> no thank God I was having to put a phone Quinny <laughs> uh, brilliant right mate 2009 the Daily Mail reported that Man U had pipped Arsenal in your signature. How, how close was that to happening? Not that I didn't hear nothing. My agent heard nothing. I think it was just paper talk. Um, I remember coming out and all my mates saying, oh my God, you're going to Man United. And I was like, well, if I am, that's the first idea about it. Um, but I remember Dave Jones doing a press conference on it and he was like, there's no truth in it. So I don't think there might have been some interest, but I don't think it was very close at all, to be honest. Was there any other teams watching you? As you say, you were 17-year-old and you played 35 games. There must have been Premiership teams looking at you. Well, what I can remember, I think Everton were one. Um, Everton. There were a couple, but I can't, I can't remember who they are, but none of them were really close at that time. Um, but obviously, it's nice to be linked to them in the paper. And all, all my mates text me saying, oh my God, I can't believe you're going there. I was like, I, I wish. But um, yeah, I don't think any of them were that close at that time, to be honest. Okay. Uh, how come you weren't involved in the playoff final then against Blackpool? Good question. Good question. Um, oh, Let's go. I don't really know, to be honest. Um, he left me out of the, the, I think, the playoff semis were against Leicester. I think we beat him on penalties, I think. Um, and he pulled. He didn't pull me before the game. He pulled me after the game saying, oh, I'm going with experience. So Kevin McNaughton was back. He played. I thought I thought that's fair enough, but um, to go from starting playing thirty-five games to not even being on the bench for the semis or the or the final, I think even at seventeen, I didn't tell him, but obviously I was I wasn't happy. But um, he he told me he wanted to go with experience, which is which is fair enough. But I thought I at least deserved a spot on the bench at least. Jake, the fact that you were getting interest and you hadn't signed a new deal was that maybe why he was doing it to you as well? No, I don't think so. Um, by this time, I still had another year left. Um, so they, they, they don't even talk about contracts. Um, I think maybe in the summer they might have been, and that's probably when I said no. Um, but until that point, there was no contract talks. I didn't turn anything down. Um, 
So I, he, he said he just wanted experience, but I thought that was a bit harsh, to be honest. So see, how, how was that watching the playoff final, knowing that you played you played such a big part in that season and you weren't going to be involved at all? Was it tough, huh? Yeah, it was tough, obviously. Obviously, you still want the team to go out and smash it, but um, I think any player who's not involved in a, such a big day um, is going to not be happy. So, um, yeah, I remember watching the game, I think, I think we went one little down and then Joe scored to make it one all. We were actually the better team. I think we should have won the game and then they scored the last 10 minutes with Brett Ormrod, I think. So by the end of the game, I felt doubly as bad because I couldn't do nothing about it either. So um, yeah, it wasn't the best day in my career, to be honest. Um, but hey, it makes you stronger, I guess. Right. And then to one of your best days of your career, January 2011, sign a pre-contract with Celtic. Like, yeah. Why Celtic? Um, I remember uh, Neil Lennon and Gary Parker came to a, to watch a game and they came to talk to me in a car park. Me and my dad were walking back to the car and they just pulled us and said, um, obviously I knew who he was. And he was like, uh, oh, we've been speaking to Joe. Uh, he, he said, you're a really good player. Should we come down to watch you? I was like, oh, Jesus. Um, we're quite shocked, really, that they were, they were, they were interested. But um, he was just like, look, I, I think you're a really good player. So we'll be in contact. Um, and I think within the next two weeks, I think it was... All agreed, to be honest. Did you like him straight away? Yeah, he was good. He's good. Um, he's probably one of my favourite managers I've played under. Um, just the way he is with the players, he'll tell you. if you, I, I like being told if you've done bad, but then praised if you've done good. I think football these days is going a bit bit soft in some areas. I don't, I don't think you can tell a young player that he's had a bad game because they don't take it very well. So, I think his man management is up there with the best I've had, but uh, yeah, I, I knew we'd get on straight away. And Gary Parker, if you've met him, he's hilarious as well. Uh, I, 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 was, uh, I was a young kid at Celtic when Parks was there. He's a funny guy, isn't he? Funny guy, mate. Off his head again. Everyone's off his head, I know. <laughs> uh, what, so what was it just like, see with Gary Parker, just his one-liners and slaughtering players and stuff like that? Slaughtering players in the box. Because he, he was actually, he was a very good player. So he used to yeah. join in the boxes and he'd never give the ball away. But then if you get the ball, you just say something funny and you'd have me in stitches every day. It's just so funny. So, see, when you, you signed the pre-contract, when do you first drive up to Glasgow? I came up to watch a Celtic Rangers game at Hamden. Uh, I think it was a cup final, so it must have been near the end of the season. Oh, sorry. Obviously, I came up to add a tour of the stadium, uh, signed the pre-contract, blah, blah, blah. Went home, went back to Cardiff. Didn't, I didn't tell Cardiff at the time. Oh, did you know that? Uh, uh, we came up on Sky Sports. Dave Jones told me. Dave Jones told me in his office. Was like, oh, obviously, we sort of knew you were going to go, but I think the way your agent and yourself have gone about it is not bang out of order. But by this time, I wasn't even getting in squads, um, so I wasn't happy there. To be honest, like loved playing there, uh, just obviously out of favour, and then obviously it was time to move on. So. Um, so then I went up to watch Celtic Rangers in the cup final. I think Rangers won two one. I think I might have gone extra time. They scored next time. Um, and then, obviously, got ready for pre-season and met up with the boys at the start of that season. So, it was quite quick, actually. How was the atmosphere at that game? Because Hamden's now notorious for having a great atmosphere, but was it still, did it still blow you away? I think the atmosphere in Hamden's better if you're in with the fans. I think yeah. if you're on the pitch, I think it loses a bit, obviously, with the track being on the outside. But actually, being in with all the fans singing, I think you get the same sort of atmosphere. So, yeah, it was goosebumps. Like uh, both sets of fans didn't stop singing. So yeah, it was unreal. 
See, when you hit, first heard they're interested, did you phone Joe Ledley and ask him about the club? I think he texted me saying, um, they've shown interest, what do you think? And I was like, yeah. Um, obviously, I asked him what it's like, but everyone in Britain knows what a massive club Celtic is, so I didn't really need to ask that question. As soon as they were interested, I was like, yeah, I'm up for that. Obviously, him him being there obviously helped because I got on with him so well. I carded, so going up, he made me feel welcome. But all the boys, when I moved up, were they were a great set of boys, a great squad. So, yeah, it was a it was a great move at the time. So, see, after you, obviously you've been you'd been caught going up to Celtic Park. How was the last few months at Cardiff? Like, was it hell? No, I wasn't too bad to be honest. Like I said, um, I I was I wasn't getting in squads, so I think everyone knew that I was not staying. They didn't know where I was going to go, but um, it wasn't too bad. They, they didn't treat me any different, especially the players. That, that, to be fair, even the coaches were brilliant with me. Um, I think I've, by the end of the season, I played a couple of games with a few injuries. So it's not like I was absolutely outcast going train on your own. Um, they, were, they were good with me, to be fair. And uh, some of the players were saying, yeah, it'll be a great move for you. So, yeah. I love my time at Cardiff and uh, I still want the best to be honest. Right, mate, then you move up to Glasgow. See, when you first came up, did you did you stay with Joe Ledley for a bit or did you get your own place straight away? No, I, I got a place quite quick. Uh, I think because I was signing at the start of the season and I knew I was signing, I think I went up a couple of months earlier to have a little look around the, try and find a property. So I found one about five doors down from Joe Ledley. So that was perfect. We used to share lifts to train and all that. So, um, yeah, me and him were probably for the first six months for together every every day. Yeah. Uh, talking about training, uh, what was the standard like when you first went in? Were you impressed straight away? And who, who impressed you in particular straight away? Yeah, the, the standard was unbelievable. Obviously, you've got players like Scott Brown, who I think, unless you play with him, you don't realise how actually good a football he is. I think some people just think he's a hard man, just gets, gets about, but he's very, very good on the ball. Um we had Victor Wanyama signed the same year as me. Um, absolute beast. Um court. Yeah, Victor is an absolute tank. He, I think he was yeah. 19 or 20 when he came. And he was, you like, you could not get past him. You run into him and he, he didn't lift the weight. You run into him and it was like hitting a brick wall. He was unbelievable. But then you had players like Paddy How good, how good is Paddy? Paddy McCourt is unbelievable. Uh, up there with the best I've seen for for what for what physical physical attributes he has on the ball. He's not strong. He's not quick, but you could you could not get near him. He just glide past you. Um, so I, I don't know how he did it, but yeah, technically with the ball at his feet dribbling, he's unbelievable. What a um, guy as well. Great guy, man. Uh, one of the funniest people I've ever met. Again, um, him and Charlie always always doing stuff on the training ground. Um, like I said, we had a good squad for that. We like boys could take a joke, so there was a lot of stuff being uh, going on. So, yeah, Charlie and Paddy together were absolutely hilarious. Who would who would usually get it for you two? Brownie got quite a bit because his gear was shocking. His uh, gear is terrible. Huh? Terrible. James Forrest, when I was coming through, his gear was shocking. Um, but even, to be fair, even the foreign boys took it could take a joke quite well. Um, I remember. Thomas Ronya, he was a great guy. Um, got involved, got loved the joke. So I think as as a whole squad, we had, we had Lucas Saluska again, loved mad, mad man again, but loved loved the banter. So um, yeah, I think we had a very good squad for that. What would they do? Would you slot their gear, or would they actually do stuff to their gear? 
Uh, if it was really bad, it'd be cut up. Like I think Brown got a few. T- uh, I think Brownie got a few T-shirts cut up. I think DP'd in the pants. Whatever, whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, all the boys took it quite well, so they could get away with it. I think if someone kicks off, then you might not do it again. But everyone used to just laugh it off, so it was it was all good. I remember Brownie. Uh, sorry, Brownie. I said like Brendan Rodgers. There, Brownie. <laughs> Paddy and Charlie used to they used to get the staff as well, weren't it? Jamie Church used to get it. Yeah, he used to get it. He used to come on pre-season like head of security. That's his title. He yeah. used, basically used to just hold on to the passports. But um, yeah, Char, Char, Charlie and Paddy used to have him on toast every... I think he fell asleep once on the way to Australia on my first pre-season trip and they drew something on his face and he did not have a clue until we landed. And he's walking through, like asking people, oh, "Passport, there you go." And he's got something drawn on his face. So yeah, they used to have him on toes. There was one with the green, green brigade, wasn't it? Charlie was telling us this morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know much of the details. I remember sort of, but um, basically, we we must have had a game on the Saturday, and because he's head of security, uh, I think one of the green brigade got chucked out of the stadium. Anyway. That was all fine. It's come to Sunday or Monday. Paddy's gone up to church. He was like, the Green Brigade are raging with you. Because um, you chucked that guy out in church. He was like, yeah, good one and all that. So um, I think Paddy's got to Charlie. Charlie's changed his profile picture to a picture of Paddy's brother, Leroy. And um, has got Charlie to text Paddy saying, look, the Green Brigade are raging with this guy. Um, they're going to get a banner up for the next game saying, Jamie Church, get out of our club. So then Paddy's obviously shown to Churchy this text and he's like, no, that can't be serious. Can you please speak to your brother, please? Like, I'll lose my job if they put a sign up like that. So then I think they, kept, they must have kept it going for about three weeks. No, three, three days, sorry. And uh, I think it must have got to Thursday or Friday and Paddy was like, look, I've tried to speak to him, but he's not having any of it. Like, they're raging. It's, go, it's going up on Saturday. And I, I think Churchy was close to crying and all that. And I think Brownie or somebody must have said to him, boy, you take this a bit far now. Like, He's got to start crying. He, he, he could be in trouble here. So then I think Paddy and Charlie came clean and he was like, you, I think I swear to God, I think he was close to tears. But I think they kept it going all week That's and every day. It's so good. But uh, yeah, Charlie, Charlie and Paddy used to get up to stuff all the time. They used to do, Ian Jameson used to get it tight as well, the press guy. Yeah, he did. I can't remember what they did to him. I, I remember him always complaining to them, like saying, like, boys, you need to stop this. But I can't remember what they did. But um, yeah, James, Ian Jameson used to get it off a lot of players, to be fair. I think Brownie was on him. I think Joe Leddy. I think once once a couple get on you, I think all the players start getting on you. And he used to, every day, he used to be having to go with someone for something. So yeah, he used to get it a lot as well, yeah. Mate, everyone for that time, so it seems like such a good team spirit. But like, would Lenny love you being like that? Would, would Lenny encourage that? I Lenny used to get involved sometimes. Like, and if he saw something, he just smirk at you and just let you carry on. Like, um, like I said, we had a great team spirit. Um, we knew when to have our serious heads on, knew when to let our hair down. But I think team spirit-wise, is probably one of the best squads I've been involved in. I think there wasn't any clicks. Even the foreign lads didn't used to just stay with the foreign lads. We used to all mix, so it was a very, very close group. And I think. Yeah, like I said, it's one of the best change rooms I've, I've been in. Can you remember Lenny getting involved? Can you remember a story? Not really. I, I remember we beat, remember when we beat Chapter, whatever they're called? Yeah. No, Carla Gandhi, when we were 2-0 oh, yeah, down after the first leg. Um, so we beat them 3-0 and Lenny was like, right. I think this was on the third, 
Wednesday or Thursday, we had a game on Saturday. And then he had Lenny obviously buzzing after the game. He's like, everybody out. So I think everyone's gone out. Um, he was like, you can have a couple of beers each. And that's it. So he stayed for a couple of beers, went back. Obviously, a couple of us were like, right, we're, we're out now. So we may as well car crack on. Uh, we had the game on Saturday. I think Charlie McGrew missed it with a hangover. <laughs> I, think, I think Mika Lustig pulled his hamstring. Um, I, I think a couple of, I think James C got injured. I think he was an old man. But we managed to win 1 0 against Dundee. I think Stokes, he's got a, um, a free kick. But yeah, that, that's just what Lenny was like. Obviously, he was buzzing after we got a result and uh, got into the Champions League and he let us enjoy ourselves. So. See, like, see, when you're talking about Lenny there, because everyone again that I speak to for that time says about how good his man management is. So, see, Jignaz, you've mentioned it before, but with the current players, did, can they not accept that in the dressing room now? Somebody being honest with you? I just think Lenny's obviously a bit old school, so I think young players now, you can't speak to them the way, you can't just say, what the fuck are you doing? You, like, you, that was shit, but you can't say stuff like that anymore. Um, mm. But, like, obviously, Lenny came through with, like, John Hart and Craig Bellamy, Chris Sutton. You think they're saying, oh, don't worry about it next time and all that. They're obviously not. They're obviously, he's obviously just going to tell you how it feels. And as long as he forgets about it, which is why I think all the players respected him at that time. Um, he'd give you it half time after a game, but then the next day, he'd come in and he'd be, like, your best mate again. So, I think, yeah, so I think that's why people enjoy playing under him. That's, that's one of the reasons I enjoyed it anyway. Man, that's what I want for a manager. Somebody that's on tells you the truth. Yeah, that's what that's that's what I like in a manager as well. Even, even, even if he calls you at the end of the day, it's not personal. It's just obviously he wants the best for the, you and the best for the team. That's all it is. But um, yeah, I think f- football sometimes is a bit soft these days. I think. Right, your your first experience in Scottish football. <laughs> <laughs> first experience in Scottish football for Todre. One nil one. What do you remember? Uh, not too much. I remember being windy again, but Aberdeen was always windy. Um, You're some man for the weather, aren't you? Aye. I remember that. Well, not used to it down here. It's nice down here. <laughs> um, I, I remember being quite a scrappy game, to be honest. Um, not not the best game. I don't think I had the best game, but obviously the win's the most important. I remember we had the, the nice kit, nice new kit on, the white with the grey and the bit of green. Um I remember that, but other than that, I don't remember much. I just remember it being a, quite a scrappy game. And like I said, we won 1-0, but that's, that's the best part of the game, really. See, the away trips, were, uh, were all the rooms still getting done as well for, for the boys? Uh, Charlie and Paddy used to do the old water bucket. Um, so, like, fill a, fill a bin with water, lean against your door, knock the door, run away, you open it, it's all over your feet. Um, and I think... when. For the first two years, I think I, uh, rooms started getting turned over and all that. But um, I think one one of the foreign boys kicked off when they'd done one of their rooms and I think it stopped after that. I can't remember who it was, though. It was near near the end. I think he must have told some, one of the staff and one of the staff of region. So I think what it stopped about, after uh, that. Have you ever been in a, in a bedroom where Paddy McCord didn't prank phone calls on a Friday night? No, I haven't. He said so. Any good? Yeah. Uh-huh. He used to put. I remember once he phoned the dairy chairman and the dairy chief exec at the same time. And never yeah. said anything, and they were arguing for like twenty minutes over who phoned who. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like party to be fair. Some man. Uh, Rangers were still in the league that first season as well, mate. Um, yeah. How did you find their games and the intensity of going a, a title race with them? 
I love them games. Uh, the, like I said, the atmosphere is absolutely incredible at Celtic Park and Ibrox, especially when the Celtic fans had the hole behind the goal. Um, it, yeah, it was mad. Um, but yeah, obviously massive pressure on the games. Probably the most nervous I've been going into a game was my first Rangers game. Um, but uh, I, I don't normally get that nervous, to be honest. But uh, obviously, we we were 15 points behind them. And then by the time I made my old firm debut, I think we had the chance to go above them. I think it was on Boxing Day. Um, so that's probably one of the most nervous I've ever been for a game, to be honest. But yeah. What, what was the dressing room like before that game? Is it noisy? Or is it quite quiet? No, it's quite. To be fair, it was normally quite quiet. Obviously, we had the music on, but um, everyone just used to just chat to them, like just normal chat, try and stay as calm as possible. And then twenty minutes before you go out uh, for the warm up, Brownie used to get everyone riled up, go around, tell everyone to get their heads on. All that. Len used to do a little team talk, but it was normally quite calm before games. Like especially Rangers games, you don't want to be too hyped because that's when you make mistakes or get a red card or whatever. So. I think we, we were good as a team as being quite calm before big games. So, yeah, it wasn't that noisy, to be honest. So, you said, like, the Cardiff Swansea, the nerves would go as soon as the game starts. I say, like, yeah. it's different. Are you, are you nervous constantly throughout it in case you make a mistake? A, a little bit, yeah. Um, I just think because the atmosphere for Swansea Cardiff is massive, but sometimes, like, one of the one of the crowds will have a bit of a lull. But Celtic Rangers game is literally singing from minute one to minute 95. Like, they do not stop. Um, so the unbelievable games to play and like I've never heard noise noise like it, possibly Champions League games but the noise at Celtic Park when it's full house is absolutely ridiculous Have you got a favourite one Celtic Rangers game? Probably my first one when, when Joe scored um, possibly the one the, the 3-0 at the end of I think it was the end of that season I think I think Hoops Charlie scored the header Hoops scored and I don't know who else scored but um Probably them two. I'd probably say my first one, though, I think. Just because it was my first one, um, it was to go ahead of them in the league. And uh, well, Like I said, I, I think I had a good game and it was my first experience of it, so I loved it, yeah. Yeah. And your first place in European football, mate, Atletico, Udinese and Rennes. Uh, how are they to play against their top teams? Is that a big jump going for Cardiff in the Championship to then playing this calibre of teams? Yeah, massive. Um, I remember playing, playing against Atletico Madrid and just staring at Falcao when Falcao was a serious, serious player. Mm. And I just remember thinking, you are, like, how am I on the same pitch as you? Um, they, like, every every game in Europe was a hard game. Um, Rennes had a good team at that time. Um, Udinese were big back back then. And obviously, Atletico Madrid, everyone knows who they are, but they had a serious team when we played them. I think Fallen might have still been there as well. Um, so, yeah, I just, couldn't, I just couldn't believe I was on the same pitch as them, to be honest. What about the noise before their games? Is it is it is it the same as they say like in Rangers game? The European is it is the atmosphere just as good? Yeah, I, I pos- the best atmosphere I played is probably the Barca game. For we'll come to that in a bit. We'll come to that in a bit. Yeah, I'll tell you about that. Okay, yeah, but I think European all firm games are hands down the best atmosphere I've played in. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, right, mate. The league turnaround, as you said, you were fifteen points behind half time at Kilmarnock. You are three 0 down. What do you remember yeah. for that first half? Did you think this? Did you think Lenny could be gone here during the first half? I thought I thought he might walk. Um, I, I I don't know if they would have sacked him possibly, but I think he was ready to walk at three you nil. Know? Um, but I, I remember thinking in the game, um, all their goals are individual mistakes. I think Charlie did a short back pass for them to go three you nil know, up. 
So I thought if we if we get the first goal in the second half, we've got half a chance here. Um, but yeah, I did I did think Lenny might walk if this carries on. And what about half? What did he say at half time? Can you remember? What I can remember, he was strangely calm. Like he didn't didn't really shout. He was just he was just like more embarrassed than anything. He was like, boys, if this is the way you want to go out, then that's fine. But it's absolutely embarrassing. Like it's embarrassing the club. It's embarrassing yourselves. It's embarrassing me. So just go out. It, it did sound like he could be done the way he was talking. Um, but obviously, he got a bit animated before we went out for the second half, just saying, fucking come on, boys, let's go out there, get the first goal. If you get the first goal, they will crumble. Um, and luckily, Stokesy, who again, technically is unbelievable. He scored two worldies, and then I think Charlie might have scored, Charlie might have scored a header uh, to make it 3 all. So I think that was a big turning point in that season, especially that second half. Um, it gave us a lot of confidence, even though we were 15 points behind, still massive gap. But um, it just showed the fighting spirit this, that squad had, and uh, we didn't really look back from there, to be honest. Just on Stokesy again, we've had a few boys on for that sort of error and said that Larry would be tearing his hair out with Stokesy. Yeah, Stokesy's one of a kind. Um, you don't know what, what Stokesy you're going to get. Sometimes you'd be coming best friends, sometimes you come in raging, sometimes you wouldn't come in. <laughs> um, but yeah he, he was one of them like he annoyed everyone but everyone sort of loved him sort of thing but he could be very annoying <laughs> but I, I, I was really I was really good mates with him had a couple couple of nights out with him um, got on with his family um, but yeah he was he was one of a kind uh, see just on Lenny we spoke about the half time there uh, can you remember a particular time that you thought right that, that's the worst I've ever seen him as in cracking up. The worst he's been with me is uh, Kilmarnock in the cup final. I think we lost 1-0. Um, and I give the ball away and they scored in like the 89th minute or 88th minute or something. And he was absolutely raging. So he's just gone on the whole change room and gone, shit, shit, shit. Come to me. And he goes, and you, you fucking cunt. You do that again. Give the ball away like that again. You will not play for me. But then, like I said, like next day, he's fine. But he, he could he could get very very angry, but like he forgets about it the next day, so which I, I didn't mind. But see, then on the opposite side of that, can he make you feel like the best player in the world? Uh-huh. Yeah, if you play well, he's like uh, he can make you feel six foot tall, like unreal. Um, he, he he could tell you in training if you've done something good, he, he would make you feel like the best player in the world. So yeah, like I said, it works both ways. That's why he's man man so good. When he when you're doing well, you make you feel like the best player. When you're doing bad, he'll tell you, but then next day in training, you'll still make you feel like the best player. Yeah. Uh, would you ever have thought, mate, in the space of two months, be ahead of Rangers, as you say, 15 points behind? What was the point that you think we, we could do this now? Um, probably the, the Rangers game. Like, we were still behind them going into it at Christmas. Um, I think that's why I was so nervous going into it. It was a massive game because I think we've done all the hard work catching them, but if we lost that game, and they still have a five, four, five-point gap, which is still big enough. Um, so I think going into that game, I thought if we, I think everyone thought if we win this, this, this league could be ours because they were they were crumbling a little bit anyway. But I think psychologically beating them when they weren't at their best, um, I think that killed them off really. And I think we ended up winning the league by a fair margin ourselves. And you clinch it, mate, Kilmarnock in a six-nil win. Yeah. Is that one of the best feelings when that final whistle goes and you've won your first league title? 
Yeah, I think that was one of my favourite games actually because I think Kilmarnock gave us three three stands, so it felt like a home game. And uh, I just remember Charlie. Charlie was unplayable that game. I think he Who? set up two. Charlie, yeah, he set up two scored two. Unbelievable. Do you not remember? Wow. What position was he playing? I got left wing or left back, but he, I think he set up two scored two. Right. So, okay. Yeah, I'll, take, I'll take your word for that. I'm sure he did. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that that was the last ten minutes of that game was probably the best feeling on the football pitch. Like knowing you won the league six 0 up, and just knowing you're getting your hands in the trophy. Um, my first trophy as well, so it was extra special for me. But um, yeah, it was unreal. And then, uh, how did you celebrate that? How did you celebrate when the league? Can you remember? I think we just had the team. That, oh, I can't really remember off the top of my head, so it must have been a good night. Um, I think yeah, we must have just gone out, uh, probably one up or something food as a team and then all went out after it but um, we used to have some good teams now to be fair after a big win Who'd be the usual suspects on a team like that? Uh, it would have been me Joel Edley Gary Hooper Paddy Charlie Brownie obviously Brownie lived in Edinburgh so he'd, he'd come for like the big ones so he was there for that but normally if we after winning the league or winning a big Champions League game, everyone would come out Sammy would come out Glenn Lugans um all the foreign boys as well. So they, they enjoyed it. Obviously, they're a bit more quiet than the, the British boys. Kept themselves themselves. Just had a glass of wine and a bit of food. But um, yeah, it was a great team spirit. And um, we had a good group of boys for socialising, to be fair. Is there anyone that was like quiet during the day, but then when they got a drink in them, they would, would turn into a bit of a madman? Uh, James Forrest a little bit. Not, not really Is a madman, but, uh, but he's quite quiet. If you've ever met him, he's quite quiet. Yeah, like, quiet yeah. Keeps himself to himself. Gets to drink and then he's First one on the dance floor. Is he? Aye. Great guy. I, I, still, I still speak to him now. So, yeah. Um, no, he's a, he's a funny guy, but with a drinking in. But obviously Joe as well. Joe's quite quiet if you, if you meet him, but with a drinking in, he is a madman. Brilliant. Uh, right, mate. Champions League. After winning the league, how determined were you to get into the Champions League? It's some, some shift you need to put in to get into the Champions League, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard. Um, I, I, I think it's too hard. Uh, three rounds of games. Um, but yeah, luckily, um, I managed to play two, two I think, two or three out of the, out of the four seasons I was there. So, um, and then obviously you get drawn against bloody Barca, Benfica and Spartak thinking, Jesus, just get one point out of these six games. By the way, I know another reason why you want to get in the group stages. That, that bonus you get for getting there. Wow. Bonus is nice, yeah. Um, <laughs> but you don't really think you don't. I, I'm trying to sound like uh, you don't really think about that. To be honest, it's just yeah. the obviously buzzing to play in the biggest club competition. And uh, I, I just remember watching the draw in the in the canteen. Everyone sitting together, and Barca came out. So everyone's buzzing. We got Barca. We were like, okay, tough team, but like everyone wants to play against the best players. Then Benfica came out. We were like, oh Jesus, this is a tough group. And then Spartak Moscow came out. And we were like, oh my god. But um, yeah, we managed to to get through that group somehow and then. So you see after the draw is made, like, does, does anyone give a speech and say like, lads, I know it's a tough group but we can get through this or is everyone kind of just on a high for, for the teams that you're going to be playing? Yeah, I think everyone's just on a high. No one really said it. I think everyone's just laughing. Even the, even the coaches were sitting in the front watching it and they were just chuckling to themselves. Like, um, But like I said, as, as a footballer, you want to play in the best competitions and test yourself against the best teams and uh, I think you play better against better teams. So, Luckily for us, we uh, managed to qualify. So, uh, a big player in Europe that year was Big Sammy. He was a yeah. bit, my Big Sammy for for me. Like one week he could be brilliant, the next week he wouldn't really 
they much. Yeah. What was it like to play with? Like you said, very frustrating. Um, I think he's one of them players who plays better against better opposition, um, which is fair enough. There's quite a lot of them. Um, but yeah, Champions League, like European nights, he could be unplayable. Didn't stop running. Used to win headers, which he didn't used to do in the SPL. <laughs> um, yes, but he was probably one of our biggest players in the Champions League and Europa League. Um, he, was a, he was a proper handful. And then, obviously, in the SPL, he was still a handful, but he did have his quiet days when he looked like he couldn't be bothered. Talking of quiet days, mate, I'd, uh, we got a flight to Australia when I was a young kid and I got sat next to Sammy and for 12 hours he sat with his headphones on and never said a word to us. What, what, yeah, how, did quite... you, how did you find him as a guy? Very quiet, but it, like I said, everyone everyone got on with everyone. He was he was quite kept himself to himself. Um, but, um, like I said, yeah, I got on with him well. Um, didn't really have many conversations with him, but got on with him all the same. So, yeah, that's all I can say really. Good player, really good player. <laughs> yeah, he was a good player on his day, wasn't he? Uh, right, you started the first game v Benfica at home. Sailing night, Champions League night. You're standing, that music comes on. What's the feeling like? Unbelievable. Like, I've never heard anything so loud in my life. I don't think I could hear the music. Um, just everyone for the whole for the whole 90 minutes was did not stop singing. Um, but obviously very proud to have played in the Champions League you don't really expect it when you're coming through a Cardiff um, but I was just standing there thinking wow how, like I'm so lucky to be here um, just try and enjoy it obviously very nervous but like I said as soon as the, as soon as the whistle goes the nerves sort of disappear but it was an unbelievable feeling How big is the jump in standard when you play your first Champions League game? Yeah it's massive um, the quality of players they don't lose the ball um you don't have time on the ball. You need to, or everything needs to be quicker. Your decision making, your recovery runs. Um, they're just so one step ahead. Of, well, that's what it feels like in your first couple. They're one step ahead of you. Like you're thinking, Jesus, how many players have I got to mark here? Um, but I think the more you play at a higher level, the easier. Well, not easier, but the more you get used to it, and the the better player you become. Really, that's why I think um, playing against better players makes you better. So. See, see, in terms of, of your own team, is that where you can kind of see the guys that can take the next step? Because I think in the games, I think when Yama was, he kind of stood out, didn't he, for certain like in the, the Champions League games that year? Yeah, he, he was probably our best player in that in in that uh, in that Champions League campaign. But like I said, he he was an absolute animal, but uh, technically very very good as well. Was um, he technically good? Uh, cause I, I, I was going to ask her. Yeah, doesn't look it, um, but yeah, he could ping a diag keep it simple if he wanted to but he had the 40 that died in the locker um, could get him on the pitch quick strong um, pro- pro- one of the best best players I've played with probably all, right, all mate, we'll come the, the big game Barcelona yeah so Emilio gets injured is that right yeah he was injured I think he got injured in the game before it's so Saturday it must be Saturday so see before he never got injured did you were you worried I'm not going to get to play here or did you um, right I, back? I can't remember. I think I've been playing right back. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, I remember Milo getting injured and then Lenny must have pulled me on the Monday saying, we're thinking of playing you left back. We're going to do a bit of shape and training. You're going to start a left back, see how it goes. And I was like, yeah. Well, sorry, but I'm desperate to know So see when you see Lenny pulls you on Monday, are you shouted up to the office and what's going through your head? Do you think he's dropped me for Barcelona or do you think I could be playing left back here? 
I think he just pulled me, like walking past me in the corner. I think he just pulled me saying, Adam, come here. But obviously, yeah, you are, when you get pulled by the manager, you'll think you might have done something wrong or you're not playing the next game. So I was like, oh, no. But then he, he said, like, we're going to try you try your left back and train and see how it goes. Um, obviously, we're not going to have much of the ball. So it's going to be more defending than we think. You defending with your coming, Messi coming inside with a stronger foot. You're coming in on your stronger foot. So... That's what he said. He said, Messi's going to be coming in on his stronger foot, but he's going to be running on your stronger foot. So, and we're not going to have much of the ball. So, don't worry about your passing and all that. Just constantly on defending. And uh, yeah, so I was just buzzing to be involved. Doesn't matter what, I would have played in goals. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously, after you told me that, and it went well in training on the Monday. And then to, I think we. Uh, trained on the Tuesday and then played on the Wednesday but yeah I was just buzzing to be involved to be honest I know you're buzzing right but be honest like the night before and that are you thinking Messi could make an arsehole of me here yeah that does that does crop in your head but then that, that, that's probably the game I've been least nervous for because at the end of the day you, I was playing against Messi if he makes an arse of me everyone expects him to make an arse of you if you do half decent people think you're a very good player and if you do well people think oh this guy can play so you really have nothing to lose in them sort of games. Like, it, us as a team, we thought we could get something from the game. Maybe not win, but I think if we kept, like we did, keep them to minimum chances and Fraser has a good game, which he did, I think he was incredible. We could possibly get something from the game, but um, yeah, I, I don't think anyone, if they're being truthful, could have thought we'd uh, get a win out of it, to be honest. Would, would Lenny say like, our best chance of scoring here is set, piece, set pieces? Did you work on set pieces all week? Yeah, we worked on them. That's where Victor's goal came from. Um, I think he was on the edge of the box and they, they marked Zonal and Jordi Alba's at the back post in the zone. So if Victor got a run on most people, but especially Jordi Alba's not the tallest. So we actually worked on that set play for the, the few days before and uh, obviously it worked. Um, so the credit to the coaches who were doing their research and, uh, and obviously you had Tony Watt run through. See, just before like, the game, Phil, when you're standing in a tunnel, do you, do you, like, do you look at every single player? Yeah, you, you try not to. You think, like, just look straight, be focused, try and be like Scott Brown, like, look like you mean business, but then, like, you obviously see Evan Walker. How I have did no you idea. do that? I have no idea. Seriously, don't. But, um, yeah, you see them all walk out. You've got Messi, Pique, Iniesta, Xavi, and you're just, they're walking out of the town, you know, like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But, like you said, you want to play against the best players. So, I, I was buzzing in the tunnel. I couldn't believe I was standing next to him, but absolutely buzzing. See when, you, see, when the music comes on and you say, obviously, it's so noisy, you can feel it. Do you ever look across at them and see if it's affecting them? Uh, not, not really. Um, it, well, it didn't seem to be. They were just chatting to themselves, like, <laughs> as if it was a Sunday league game. Um, but, yeah, uh, that, that game, I could not hear nothing. We, you, you know, we do the huddle, huddle before the game. I think Sammy might have been captain. I think we had, we had a few players missing. We had Hoops missing, James missing, Brownie missing. I think Miku played up front. Um, but we, we had the huddle and I couldn't hear one thing Sammy said. It was that loud. Really? Did you hear a thing in the huddle now? Couldn't hear nothing. It was the loudest, I've ever, loudest game I've ever been involved in. It was incredible. Wow. Right, so you go one up and then yeah. be honest, when that ball goes over the top, Mascarano misses it, doesn't he? Do you fancy yeah. Tony Weirdly, I did, because he was a bit raw coming through at Celtic. Like, 
used to have a one good touch, one bad touch, but his finish, I always, his finishing was always very good. So I was just like, just hit the target. Um, and to be fair, if the occasion wasn't going to get to someone, it's going to get to Tony because he's that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't think he, 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 the occasion would have rattled him at all. And um, I actually did fancy him, but um, yeah, what a feeling when that goal went in. I've never been so tired in a game, but run so fast to celebrate. Because I was going to say he he ran over at the right hand corner, didn't he? So did you sprint from left back? Over? I, had, I had to do a massive diag, yeah, and I could not move. My legs were gone, but I've never sprinted so quick to try and sell it. It was the best feeling in the world. But then after that, mate, they they laid it on thick, man, didn't they? Yeah, I think after Tony scored, I think they they could have scored about four, <laughs> and then obviously then obviously Messi scored. And I think there was the, the fourth official just put four added minutes up, and I was like, "Please, just do not score! Don't ruin it!" Like we've done so well, two 0 up with five minutes to go, we cannot lose. And then they scored, and I was like, "Oh no!" And then the final whistle went, and I think I think everyone's in shock. I think if you watch the videos back, I don't think anyone really celebrates. I think everyone's just absolutely off their feet. So I think everyone was just relieved, really. And what said in the dressing room after a game like that? Yeah, I think Lenny just said, look, you're all legends now. Um, you've done something which not many teams will do. Um, uh, Celtic fans will never forget this. You've made yourself legends. Tony, incredible. Like, you're going to go down to Celtic folklore, but make sure that's not the only thing people remember you for. You just say, just go and enjoy tonight. You're so proud of you. And like I said, you're all massive legends for this club. Right, and then he's going to play Spartak, mate, with a chance of qualifying. Did you fancy yeah. yourselves before the game? Yeah, I think beating beating Barca, I think, gave us a massive boost um, to go and win that game. Um, they they were a good team. Um, we beat them away. I think Sammy scored a header with ten minutes to go or something. So yeah, going into that game, I think we were very confident we could go and do it. Um, I think hoops hoops to put us one 0 up. I think, and then um, then they scored. I came on for the last ten minutes. Uh, I'm not doing twenty here, mate, but you can say ten if you want. No, we'll go, we'll go, 20 sounds better we've got, we'll go 20 um, but there's nothing worse than coming on as a defender uh, oh there's nothing, there's nothing to gain everything to lose you're just praying you don't get much of, you don't want to touch the ball no. you want everything you want everything to go down to the other side don't make a mistake get back in the change room done your 20 minutes done yeah um, yeah so I think we got a penalty with 15 minutes to go uh, and to, to be fair Chris Commons had an unreal season so I didn't fancy him missing um especially with his left foot. So I think he scored in off the bar. So, and then we just managed to hold on and then obviously qualified for the, the last 16, which honestly, seeing the group, no one probably thought we would do. So why do you think you did qualify? And what was the main reason for that team getting out of that group? Um, I think we were, I think we were very solid defensively. We didn't concede many goals. Um, we done well against Barca away in the first game, which obviously gives a bit of confidence. I think they scored last minute to win 2-1 um, or 1-0 or whatever it was. So I think playing them and getting that close to getting a result, I think gives a lot of confidence. Um, so defensively, I think we were very good that season in Europe. And like you said, with players like Hoops, Sammy, the way he plays in Europe, um, with our attacking players, um, we're always going to create chances. And luckily for us, in that campaign, we scored probably 70% of the chances we created and set plays were massive as well, which we worked on. So I think that was the main reason. 
Mate, Hooper was unreal at you. Every chance he got, he scored. Like, are you surprised that... See, when Hooper left Celtic, I thought he'd going to be a top Premiership player. Are you surprised that he never? Yeah, I was, because seeing him day week in, week out, he's one of the... I'd say one of the best strikers I've played. He's strong, quick, his finishing's really, really good. Um, I think when he first went down, he, he did he did do well for Norwich. I think he scored yeah. seven. seven go- he, he just never started. He came on, I think he scored nine goals in his first season, which isn't bad, especially when you're not starting games. So I don't really know what went wrong, to be honest. Um, and then he went to Sheffield Wednesday, done really well for them. I think the last couple of years, he had a couple of bad injuries, which have sort of halted his career a bit, but hopefully now. He can kick on again because uh, I still speak to him now. Got a good mate with him, and uh, yeah, he, he was a very, very good player. Yeah, uh, talking of top top players, the next season Van Dijk arrives. What were your initial thoughts when he came in? He's a monster, isn't he? Monster. Um, I remember his first game. It was a qualifier for Europe, but he didn't have the best game. Uh, is, he, is he in the dressing room? Were you seeing amongst each other? Like, is this is this guy? Is he good enough? No, not he wasn't that bad. But you'd never yeah. from watching that, you'd never think like he's going to play for Liverpool win the Premier League Champions League but then at each game of that season he just used to get better and better and he just used to miss everything look easy which used to piss everyone else off because everyone else is blowing sweating and he's just strolling around um, and then he used to take free kicks score free kicks he used to dribble score diags no one got past him I dribbled past him once in training which I'm taking credit for did you? no uh, I drove past him, put it past the keeper. So I'm, I'm taking credit for that. But um, yeah, he, he was a serious, serious player. Really. What about, really serious. What about the guy? Was he always confident in himself? Even after that bad start, was he a confident type? Yeah, but I think that's Dutch people for you. Um, yeah. They are, they are quite confident. Some people say arrogant, but um, I don't think Virgil was at all. He was quite quiet, kept himself to himself. Um, but uh, same again. One of them players who got involved with the banter. Um, Everyone loved him in the change room, but yeah, quite quiet. You could tell he was confident in himself, but I think every player needs that. But I, from probably the third game in, he just, every game got better and better and better. And yeah, you can see why he's where he is now. Was there like, was there ever training sessions that you would come in and just say like, Van Dyke is a joke? Was he that? Was he like, head and shoulders? Every day. Celtic at that, at that stage? Probably not at that stage. He, he was one of our better players, but you wouldn't say like he's miles better than than every other centre-half year um, or every other player year. He was, he was very, very good, but obviously he went to Southampton and I think that might have helped him get better in the Premier League and then Liverpool signed him for 75 mil and that now, now that looks like a bargain. At the time, I was like, oof. But now, he, he probably, he was definitely in the top three best centre-halves in the world. So yeah, And you yeah, could see that. Sorry, mate, on you go. You could see that's where he was going every, every game, every season. He was getting better, so... Doesn't surprise me now um, seeing him come through now. Yeah. He's not the only world class player you've played with. You mentioned your mate as well, Gareth Bale. Like, do you remember the first time you trained with Gareth Bale? And was it a similar thing to, uh, to, sorry, to Van Dyke or was Bale that bit better? Probably the first session I had with him is when he was, you know, when he was still skinny. Like, yeah. And then he just, so he was technically unbelievable. Like, his left foot crazy, rapid. But he, he was always a bit lightweight, so you could always think if you get your arm across, he might not beat you to speed. Wait, sorry, then, can I say something? So you've dribbled Bass Van Dyke and you've waxed Gareth Bale? When he was skinny, yeah. Yeah, still decent. Uh, but, um, and then one summer, he just came back and the first Welsh squad, he was just an absolute tank. And I was like, what the hell has he been doing this summer? 
Like he was, his legs were massive, his calves were massive, and then when he when he bulked up a bit, he was a different animal. He was scary. Best best player I played with by a country mile. So like what? And just to, every session, he's he's miles ahead. Of everyone, yeah. I'd say so. The, with Wales, that's the only place I train with him. Ramsey's the closest to him, but yeah, I'd say Bill is head and shoulders. He's he's scary good. He's got everything. Quick, fucking head. What did he head do? The cup? Did he just fart out of the gym? Um, I, yeah, I think he must have. Yeah, um, he told me he did like obviously leg weights, but then upper body he just did like body weights, so press ups, pull ups, dips. He didn't. He didn't really do much weight lifting, so it's just uh, I don't. I don't know. Whatever he did, it worked anyway because he came back and he was. He looked completely different. He's a tank. He's an absolute athlete. Yeah, you said Van Dyke was always confident. Is Bale similar? What type of guy is he? Very, very quiet. Um, keeps himself to himself, really. Um, has a laugh, but um, yeah, he could be in the room and you wouldn't know he's there. Um, just keeps himself to himself. Like, uh, he lives around the corner from where Wales meet up, so he goes home in the afternoon to see his family. Um, loves his golf, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I get on really well with him, but yeah, he's quite quiet. You, you never know he, he played for Madrid if, if, if you've met him. That's what I was going to say. He must be a laugh, mate, because remember he done that flag in that. That was genuinely funny, wasn't it? And then when he scored for the Amazon, he was doing the golf and that, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, he, he is funny when he wants to. Like I said, he's very quiet, but like he'll come out with some lines. And like you said, like he gets involved with everything. He doesn't mind getting criticism off the press with that Wales Golf Madrid in that order. Um, and then the golf, the golf, the golf swing for the celebration. So he, he doesn't mind what people think of him. He just keeps his head down, works hard. And yeah, like I said, you'd never know he, he was Real Madrid player. So see, when he when he first signed for Real Madrid, did he come to the Wales squad directly after it? Can you remember him signing for Madrid? I remember speaking to him when he signed. I was like, are you, are you actually signing for these? Obviously, I saw it in the press and I was like, Jesus, that's some move, 80 million. He was like, well, it, looked, it looks like it might be happening. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. And then, I, I can't remember if I was in the Wales squad or not, but I remember Joe was in it and he was just saying like, he has not changed one bit. Like everyone's coming up to him saying you must be buzzing. He was like, Yeah, obviously I'm buzzing it's Real Madrid, but you think he'd come in all cocky and all that. Well some players would anyway, but no, nah, he, he he's very grounded, keeps his feet on the floor and just gets on gets on what he needs to do. Mate, if I signed for Real Madrid, I'd be the biggest time guy in the world, would you? You would have a right to, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course you would be. <laughs> Definitely. Love that fam feel amazing. Uh, right, mate, Lenny left in two thousand and fourteen. Uh, Ronnie Dyler comes in. We uh, got to see Lenny go. Yeah, um, like I said, he's one of my favourite managers I've played under. Um, I think I played my best football when I was playing under Lenny. Um, so I was glad to see him go. Um, and then Ronnie came in, obviously. Um, and then that's, that season didn't go that great for me. I was in and out. Didn't fall out with the manager, but I don't think I was his type of player. Um, Did he tell you that? No, not really. Obviously, we had Mika Lustig, who's a... a Unreal fullback as well. Um, so even when Lenny was there, we used to sort of share the games. Um, I probably played a bit more under Lenny, but um, yeah, I think when Ronnie came in, I think Ronnie's favourite was Mika, which is fair enough. He's a good player, um, but yeah, I could sort of tell that um, I wasn't his first choice right back with Lenny. He sort of shared it up, but I, yeah, I could tell when Ronnie came in that I wasn't his first choice. Was it was it a better culture change when Ronnie came in? Yeah, massively. Um, 
he tried to bring in like his nutritionist and being Scandinavian, not everyone like he used to tell like his nutritionist used to tell us like eat eat butter, just chunk of butter. Like as if I would like you know, like cream, just cream and strawberries. Cream and strawberries good for you. Uh, like some of some some people are like it might work, but you can't just eat the cube of butter. Like that can't be that can't be good for you, can it? So so I don't know. And did you not take it? Did, did the diet not suit you? I think by Charlie's been on here saying the diet never suited him at all. I, th- I think when he, when he first got brought in, I think a lot of players got injured because of it. I remember I had a couple of hamstring injuries. James Forrest had a couple of hamstring injuries. I think Charlie got injured that season as well. So I, I don't know where because they tried to change it so quickly that people got injured or I don't know. But um, it's not that I didn't give it a go. But I just, I just, yeah, I think a lot of players didn't didn't think it suited them. So that that was your last season for Celtic. Was it? Was there ever a stage in that season that you thought this will be my last year? Uh, no, not, I, I didn't really want to leave. To be honest, um, obviously, I, I, I probably the most I've enjoyed my football is when I was up playing for Celtic. So, um, yeah, I really didn't want to leave at the time, um, even though I, I could tell I wasn't. The number one right back. Um, I still would have liked to be offered a new contract and see see what, well, at least see what they were offering. But um, I think as January came and towards the end of the season, I could sort of see I wasn't going to play as much. So then, obviously, the move came, but it, the move went really quick to Sunderland. So, but I didn't really want to leave at the time. So what happened? Your agent just phoned you up and said you're going to Sunderland. Um. Right, uh, a bit weird, really. Um, my agent said there was interest from Sunderland, so yeah, I was like, okay, right, speak to them, see what they're saying. Um, so then I left training, came home, fell asleep on the sofa with the TV on, woke up about four o'clock, ten missed calls off my agent. Sky Sports News was on. I just seen come across the screen, Celtic have agreed two million bid for Adam Matthews. I was like, Jesus! I rang my agent. I swear on, I fell asleep. I must have had about fourteen missed calls off my agent. Um, so I obviously rung my agent and was like look Celtic have accepted a two million offer um, Sunderland went you down tonight to sign so I was like right okay I was like right okay jumped in the car got changed jumped in the car drove met my agent at Sunderland and then that's how quick it was so I didn't really have time to think about it to be honest so was, was that a no-brainer just because of the fact that you hadn't been playing at Celtic that, like could you have said no I don't want to go I think I could have, yeah, but I think the fact I could tell I wasn't Ronnie's first choice or not getting as much game time as I would have liked, I think I would have been stupid at that time to turn it down. I think if I think if Lenny was still there, I think I would have signed a new deal with Celtic. I, I wouldn't have left. Um, but yeah, at that, at that time, I think it probably was the right move for me. Just before we got to Sunderland, how would you look back on your time at Celtic? Uh, yeah, probably the best best part of my football career. Um, just just the fact that the team we had, the team spirit, the big games you played in, the, the club as a whole, the fans. Yeah, it's, it's unless unless you played, I think you don't know how how big it is. But yeah, it uh, unreal experience and uh, yeah, best memories in football for me probably. You've not got a team just now. To get your ass back up the road. <laughs> I walk there, man. Did you? Uh, there we go. We'll get Al sorted for you, man. We'll get you back in. Uh, right, <laughs> Sunderland. Dick Advocate signed you. 
bit of character. Yeah. How, how was we Dick the first time you met him? Like you said, a character, quite funny, um, very straight talking. Um, you didn't know if he was angry with you, happy with you. His face was screensaver mode all the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I had a great guy, great coach. Um, my first couple of training sessions, uh, he took them, and yeah, his, his coaching was really, really good. Um, but I, I wasn't with him that long. Um, six weeks, he was gone. Was he similar to Lenin that he would tell you if you weren't doing it, or he would tell you if you were? Yeah, he'd, he'd tell you. Yeah, he's, he was, like I said, very straight, very straight down the line. Um, if you've done something good, he'd tell you. Um, if you done something bad, he'd tell you. Um, probably a bit more level-headed. Uh, but when he, when he went, he, he could go as well. Did you ever, you ever get it off with Dick? You ever get the Dick? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, um, I only played against uh, Leicester. Um, that was my debut. Came on with about 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes to go. And then I got injured in the next game, and then by the time I came back fit, Dick was gone. That's not well, good, is so, it? Uh, so it's not, it wasn't the best time. Yeah, Sunderland were in the Premier League at that time. Who, who was good there, player-wise? Um, Stephen Fletcher at the time was very good. Uh, yeah, Wes Brown. Um, your players like John O'Shea. Patrick Van Arnold, the left-back. Very good player. Oh, and we signed a guy called Jan Jan and Beer. Jan and Beer. Yeah, he used to play for Rennes, I think. Centre mid. Um, unbelievable player. Probably the best player we had that season. He was very, very good. Wow. Uh, so, was it injuries that killed your first season, Ida? Yeah, I think so. Well, especially with the, with the manager who signed you leaving. That's not ideal at any point. But like I said, I played played against Leicester. Thought I'd done quite well. We lost 4-2, but I came on 3-1 down. Thought I did quite well. I thought, right kick on you played against Exeter in the cup on the Tuesday uh, snapped my ligaments in my ankle out for three months and by the time I come back fit the manager had left the new manager came in I had the train so by the time I got back from injury he had his squad already so it was very hard to get get a look in that first season that's why I went on loan for the last 12 games to Bristol City you go back to and Sam Allardyce is the manager how yeah. about Sam? That must be a right-back dream, Sam Allardyce, no? <laughs> yeah, but um, I think because I was on loan at Bristol, again, he had his he had his uh, squad already done up. But yeah, I trained with him a couple of times. Great manager, great character. Um, Is he? Huh? So, uh, it's very funny. Um, just dry sense of humour. But um, he'd get involved with the players, like chat to all the players. But yeah, he was, he was very good. He, he only used to come out for Thursday, Friday sessions. Did you? <laughs> you didn't see it Monday, Monday, Tuesday. But um, yeah, great character, great coach, and you can you can see why he's got such a good record in keeping teams up because he gets you so organised. Works on set plays, which not every player enjoys, but he, I, his relegation is keeping teams up is unreal, and you can see why. Is that true that he uh, he puts a heart rate monitor on boys, and if he didn't have a certain amount of distance in, in training, you need to go back out again in the afternoon. I don't know if you have to go back out, but you might have to work harder and try. I know, I know, he was massive on his stats. Like after every game, he'd get the stats up and say, "Like, look, you need to do more. You, you're doing too much, but keep going." But so he, he was massive on his stats and like running stats, sprints, sprint distance, recovery runs. He was, he was. You wouldn't think that really. You think he's a bit old school, but he was massive on his stats. Yeah. Uh, see, within that first season, could you tell like the club wasn't in the best shape? Uh, probably not. The- Probably by the end of that season, I think. Um, 
yeah, like like I said, as a player, you don't really know what goes on upstairs, but you you could sense that something wasn't quite right. And then another big manager comes in. You played under a few. David Moyes comes in. Uh, how was Moisey? Never met him. Never spoke to him. What? Never spoke to him. Never met him. I was on loan. I went on loan. I went on loan for a season at Bristol. They got relegated from the Prem. He left, and then by the time I went back, Simon Grayson was manager. So you, you never even spoke to him when you were on loan or anything there. Nah, never met him. Never spoke to him. So can't I can't tell you what he's like. And then, as you say, the team were relegated, and you're back in the first team. Is that under Simon Grayson? Yeah. And see that season yeah. when he's got relegated was the aim at the start of the season to go right back up. Yeah, it was yeah. So he's actually had a meeting saying we need to get back up this year. Well, we went for the aims, and the aims were promotion, hopefully automatic, if not playoffs through the playoffs, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, obviously <laughs> it did not work out like that. And why no? I don't know. Uh, looking at the team on paper, we should have. Well, at least got players. I'd say, looking at the team, we should have got automatic, but something just wasn't right. Um, something that didn't click, and like you said, once you get into the losing mentality, it's, it's hard to get out of. Um, and we just kept losing game after game after game. And I think by Christmas, everyone's looking around, looking at the table, and thinking, "How how were we here?" But that's where we were. Was there a stage in the season that you could you could tell we could get relegated here? Um, we started quite well. I think we got seven points after after the first three games, um, and then we played Derby at home. I think and we lost three 0 and I think it could have been about seven 0 And I think I think the comp you could just see the confidence go. And I think we were one of losing nine nine games in a row or something. And then, like I said, in the championship, especially in the championship, once you start losing, it's hard to stop losing because. Every team's it's a tough game. Every game's a tough game. So I think we just confidence went and we just kept losing and losing. So and we couldn't get a run going. We'd win one game and then lose three. So we just couldn't couldn't get out of the rut really. Uh, and what about Simon Grayson? I played against his teams. Seems all right, Simon Grayson there. Uh, he's a great guy, lovely guy. Um, so easy to talk to, so friendly, quite quiet again. Um, but yeah. He'd, he'd always have his door open if you had a problem like the easy, probably the easiest manager to speak to um, just an all around nice guy to be honest uh, Right I need to ask you about Netflix because that first year the Netflix do- that was the first year of the Netflix documentary how strange was that having the cameras and, and the Netflix people about Yeah it was I don't think many of the boys liked it to be honest because they, they tried to have it in the change room I think the boys like there's no way you can have it in the change room so we got rid of that but it was in the physio room and that's where as a footballer that's where most of the conversations go on everyone just sits in the physio room as a chat so I, I don't think many people like down it around um, it, it's not too bad if you've got the guy with the big camera because you know they're there but they had little GoPros stuck around the place oh really I could, ju- I could just pick up anything so um, yeah I'm not I'm not sure people enjoy down it around I, I know the Grayson didn't like it and then Coleman came in and didn't like it either um, but obviously they must have signed a deal to get money for it but um, yeah I don't think it was anyone's cup of tea to be honest Mate see if I'm at a club and that Netflix guy's in I'm terrorising him did the boys know terrorise the guys with the cameras in there? Uh, no not too bad to be honest um, like I said like, no one really wanted them there so people sort of tried to ignore them really and then they just ask you to do a one-off interview that's not bad doing that because you know the cameras in front of you but it's just the little the little sneaky cameras like in the canteen in the physio room 
in the corridor that I don't think people like, to be honest. Because yeah. it didn't paint the most positive image of the club in the dressing room, but was it a good dressing room? I thought it was, yeah. I thought we had a really good team spirit. Obviously, we had some big characters. We had Catamull, uh, Aiden signed. Um, so, like they would tell you if you're doing something wrong. But I, I think as a team spirit, we had a good team spirit. We had a lot of young players, a bit of mixture of young and old. So I think as a squad, we had a good squad on and off the pitch. It just, for some reason, did not did not click at all. Talking about Aiden, mate, how good could he be in training? On his day, he could be unplayable like his feet even I think he's 34 now even now like um, he's, he's so quick so sharp um, and you could tell like five years ago he must have been some player um, but yeah he's a great player he's, he's done some stuff in training like the little step over the little flip flap whipping in the top corner and you're like yeah that's unreal yeah and he, he's got high standards son he's a CV player right back and he was right mid and you win the pass on the ball would he go mad at you yeah yeah, he tell you, yeah, he's very demanding. Um, but like I said, like um, coming through at a young age of Celtic, he would have had Hart and Lennon, Sutton. And that's what he's grown up with. So there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with being demanding, to be honest. But um, like I said, some some people don't like it. Yeah, what, top players want high standards, mate, don't they, every day? Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind being shouted at if, if you make a mistake, as long as they, they don't carry on like shout at me okay I'll hold my hand up say I'll do better next time and then crack, crack on but um, I think the problem is if someone's being demanded on the pitch and they take it off the pitch I think that's when problems can start but I don't think there's anything wrong with being demanded to be honest yeah right one player I need to ask you about because I loved him when he was at Everton I thought he was going to be a superstar his career never panned out the way everyone would talk Jack Rodwell could he still see was there days in training similar to Van Dyke was there days that you thought what a player Rodwell is yeah, he, left and right foot, best I've seen. Um, like, he doesn't have a weak foot. Um, I just think his confidence was so low. Um, but you see him in training, he's got everything. Pace, strength, quick, um, both feet could end the ball. I just think his, his confidence must have been so rock bottom. Um, and it's not really his fault, to be honest. Like, uh, the Netflix painted him out to be the bad guy. And to be honest, he did do nothing wrong. He turned up one time. Um, did everything right didn't moan um, so I think the Netflix thing did him no favours to be honest yeah, it just shows you to even like the top top players like if you've not got confidence it's hard isn't it yeah confidence is a massive thing in football um, or any sport to be honest um, like even even Van Dyke um, like he, if he's full of confidence he's going to play better than when he's not it's just, it's just human nature so and Jack, Jack is a top, top player. Like in training, he could do some things. Like um, I played against him coming through as well for England against Wales and uh, he was head and shoulders above anyone on the pitch. But like I said, his confidence must have been so low. But um, hopefully now, I think he's a Sheffield United now, hopefully now he can start to rebuild his career because he is a top, top player. Yeah, right. We're nearly done, mate. Just the last few bit. Uh, Chris Coleman comes in, but he left you out the 2016 squad. Yeah. Was your relationship all right or was, were you still a wee bit better towards her no to be fair I, I wasn't really expecting to be in the Euro 16 squad in the in the couple of squads leading up to it I think I had a couple of injuries um, wasn't really involved in the qualifiers um, so it wasn't really a big shock to me um, I would have loved to have gone obviously uh, but yeah he, he pulled me um, and just said uh, look we're not going to take you um, you've done nothing wrong it's just 
obviously we've had players playing the qualifiers and we're going to take them at fair enough obviously a bit upset because obviously you want to you want to go to such a big event but um, that's that's football at the end of the day you can only pick 23 players so he came in and um, when he came into Sunderland no, my relationship with him was very very good Is he a good manager? Because obviously he was brilliant for Wales and never worked out at Sunderland I've had kind of mixed reports uh, with guys that we've had on here what's your take on him as a manager? I think he's, when he first came in he was very very good um, I remember a lot of the boys saying oh this guy's this guy's class like he's gonna he's gonna help us help us get promotion and then like I said I think confidence is a big thing even for managers I think we started we, we drew so many games our season in League One well, we weren't even in League One sorry in the Championship we lost so many games and I think we when Coleman came in I think we started playing better but we were still losing games and I think the confidence just went from everyone, even even the manager. So you could see the more we lost, the more the more down he was getting, which is against human nature. And it was just so hard to turn around. But I think as a manager, I think he's a very good manager. Obviously, I had him with Wales as well, and he was he was brilliant for Wales. Because he meant to be a good laugh for that Chris Coleman, isn't he? He can't. Yeah, he can be. Yeah, especially especially with Wales. Um, I think because things were going so well with Wales, like no one really expected us. I think he was so relaxed around the group. Um, so yeah, he was sort of like one of the boys. Like he'd sit with you, have a chat with you at, at when you had food and all that. Got involved, played darts with you, pool. Um, but I think uh, as a club manager, I think you do need to be a bit more serious, which he was. Um, and like I said, I think the more we lost, the more down he was getting, and you could see him sort of. Well, you could see everyone at the club just sort of take a step backwards, and it was it was it was a hard season. Right, I need to ask you about the two guys, the main guys in, in the show, Stuart Donald, Charlie Methvin. They seemed like proper characters. Did you have um, did you have much dealings with the two? Uh, you'd see them now and again, not really. Uh, you'd see them now and again round the round the um, round the training ground. Uh, I remember I remember walking past the gym once because in in Sunderland you have like a a glass wall so you can see into the gym. So I've I've walked in about half eight in the morning. And Charlie's in his little tiny shorts doing a gym session. And I was like, oh, Jesus, what the hell is this? Um, I, th- I think he had his wife in with him as well. So, no way. Uh, yeah. I, so I think he tried to get it done before the boys came in. But I, I looked in and I was like, what is he doing there? But yeah, they, they are they are characters. I didn't have much to do with them, to be honest. But um, what I did meet them, they were, they were all right. They were quite funny. Couldn't have believed on the documentary. So they were talking about tactics and all that. We would never pull yeah. players and speak about football. They never pulled me. They used to chat to George Honeyman, who was the captain a lot. So I don't know whether they might have asked him then about tactics. But um, yeah, you could see them on the documentary trying to talk about football. I don't think they had much much knowledge about it, but obviously made for good good TV. So that's the main thing for Netflix. And as a, see, see Sunderland, like Celtic's a massive club, but see when things aren't going well, how hard is it to play in front of such a, it's a demanding crowd, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, like I said, it's a great a great crowd, especially the North East, Newcastle, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, all have massive fan base. And uh, yeah. when, when, when it's going well, they, they can be the best, the best fans. But yeah, when it's going bad, they can let you know that it's going bad and they can, they can turn quick. Which, which I think every football fan can do. So, but the atmosphere in, in the stadium, like when it's bouncing, is unreal. I remember in League One we got forty thousand to a game on Boxing Day, and the place was bouncing. So, but hopefully they can get back to the Championship, and then the crowds will come back, and hopefully they can build on that because it's a massive club. 
Yeah, and they're passionate about their club, mate, aren't they? Uh, yeah. right, and then Charlton last season, is that Lee Boyer? Lee Boyer, yeah. Aidan was telling us that Boyer's a bit of a character as well. Old school, he, he said. He's very old school, yeah. I, I got on with him well again. He, he reminds me a bit of Lenny, like, we'll tell you when you're doing something bad, but we'll make you feel like the best player uh, when you when you you're playing well. So uh, I, I got on with him really well. All the coaching staff there were brilliant with me. Um, it's probably the most I've enjoyed football since Celtic. Um, great bunch of boys, uh, good team spirit, and uh, we should have stayed up, really. Yeah. Uh, and you're a free agent now. What are you thinking? Yeah. Look, would you come back to Scotland? You said you'd walk back to Celtic. I, I would love to come back to Celtic. I can't see it happening, but uh, like I said, it's a, such a massive club. I uh, loved living up there, so if I ever got the opportunity to come back, I'd love to, but... Um, We'll see what happens the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, get something um, in the championship and uh, try and kick on from there. Ah, right, top man! Thanks very much, mate. Top man! Cheers. Bye, right, guys. Cheers. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.